Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the program. And at this hour, Manhattan retail rents have slid into their deepest and longest slump in 17 years. A new report confirms that this week with Soho rents slashed by more than a third since the 2015 peak. In what some have dubbed a retail apocalypse, rents have skidded for two years throughout most of Manhattan's shopping districts as a massive shift to online shopping has tanked demand for pricey storefronts, according to new reports. Also at this hour with thoughts of holiday and gift giving in your head, showing your apartment may be the last thing on your mind during the holiday season. Now, considering that the end of December to the beginning of January are traditionally slower weeks for the real estate market, should you save yourself the work and take your home off the market altogether until January? Well, I'm going through that right now. We will discuss all of that, but first, I would like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. Uh, here in New York, my panel is here also, and we will get to all of that and much more. But first, my special guest today is Peter Vanderay. Peter's team, New York Multifamily, is a top New York City team at Marcus & Millichap, the largest national real estate brokerage firm uh, around. Their specialized focus is in New York City mid-market multifamily real estate. Peter's team has set various sales records for multifamily assets and has facilitated transactions in all Manhattan markets. Peter also hosts Behind the Bricks, a podcast that focuses on New York City multifamily real estate investing, and we will talk about that in a few. By the way, just listen to the last episode, seven, I think it was. That's right. Really great. Thank Good you. morning. Good morning. And thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So you wrote in October, overall, across all of New York City, 2017 multifamily sales volume is down approximately 40%. However, for property value at over $25 million, the number of transactions has declined approximately 50%. In addition to the decline in transactions, in properties over $25 million, we've seen the biggest adjustment in values, with the average price per foot of property sold in that category down Almost 10%. The average is $619 a foot all across across rather all boroughs. Below $25 million in contrast, multifamily sales volume is down only 30% compared to the last year, and prices are down approximately 6%. Wow, that's a mouthful. Although there has been a slowdown in the number of sales and a softening uh, somewhat in prices by historical standards, values are still high. The average cap rate, this surprised me, for multifamily sales citywide is still 4.1%. And the average price per unit in Manhattan is over a, 1 million. Even still, I expect the current pricing paradigm, you expect the current pricing paradigm to persist into the future. You know, A, the, the cap rate's still at 4.1%. I thought that was a little high based on what I see on the residential side with investors wanting to purchase, you know, sure. to lease. But explain to us all of this and, and, and why this is what it is today. Right. So, you know, just to clarify that average of the cap rate being around 4 that's partly because when you take in the larger transactions, that's going to, meaning the transactions above $25 million, uh, and even more so above 50 million, the cap rates are going to go up a little bit and that's what's going to pull the average. If you look at the um, you know main private investor market, call it between five and 25 million, uh, then your your cap rate is coming in somewhere in the high threes. I was going to ask you what, what the what the average you know um, 
uh, price is for investors. So you're you're saying it's between five and twenty five million. And yeah. twenty five up is on the higher end, obviously. Right. When you break down all the transactions, all the multifamily transactions in the city uh, on any year, any given year, most of the transactions are below fifty million dollars, and uh, with a large majority of those coming in between five and twenty five. So we, we we peaked probably uh, as as this says in 2015. So we've been sort of where are we going? You know, two years later and and into 18 as we end this year. Yeah, right. If you look at the prices uh, statistically or on a graph, the peak was undoubtedly for prices in New York City multifamily the fourth quarter right. in 2015, and since that time. Uh, we've been down. We're down about five to eight percent, depending on on what the category is. And to me, it feels very much like we're heading into a market that's going to continue that way, which is kind of flat, if you will. It's not going up. It's not going down. Uh, and there's countering forces for both on both sides of prices going up and prices going down. And it seems like what we've experienced this year is going to persist into next year. We on the residential side, and, and we'll talk about this later on, still, you know, we, we when people ask us, clients ask us, you know, family members, friends, whatever, what is really happening in this real estate market? And, and as you just said, you know, kind of flat, not going up, not going down. We're just kind of hanging out there and, and doing our thing. But what is that thing? I mean, you know, wh- why are we here? I mean, I, I, I struggle sometimes. That's a larger question, Vince, really. You want it's to put that out to us. No, but it is. But, but the thing is, whether it's on the commercial side, the multifamily side, the residential side, whatever it may be, what I mean, what what we're just dancing in the middle and not really kind of moving. Right. Well, I think as a backdrop to this, everyone, whether it's on the residential side or commercial in their back of their mind, has this idea uh, that real estate goes in cycles and maybe it's a seven year cycle or it's a 10 year cycle or whatever. And they all know that the bottom was 2009 and we're sitting here at the, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in the beginning of 2018. And they're thinking, oh, well, aren't we ready for some type of adjustment? But a lot of the fundamentals and the forces that are impacting the market are not setting the stage for that right now. And particularly one of the issues or reasons why that's not happening commercial is because the debt levels in this run-up are not very high or as high as they were in the before the previous downturn. So, Before we get into rents, sure. and I want to talk about you know retail and storefronts and all that, who who is the typical buyer for these multifamily homes? So do you see a lot of foreign investors like we do on the on the um, the residential side for higher ticket item you know buildings? Who who is the the actual investor here? Right. So you know when you say multifamily, just to clarify for your listeners, we're talking about people who are buying an entire building, which may have ten units, it may have a hundred units, and they're buying it for income. Um, and what we've noticed is that the buyer pool is as wide and diverse as the streets of the people walking around New York City. There's New York families uh, who are buying things for generational purposes and you know who own portfolios for a long time. You have what surprised me, and this is really more of a trend over the past five or six years, is that you've seen foreign families. Um, you know, these are. Uh, foreign families with with private money, not institutional money, who are at the actual equity participants in transactions as low as $10 million. So you're, you're seeing private individuals from out, outside the U.S. who want to invest their money in New York City multifamily, for example, um, you know, even down to that level, whereas in previous cycles, you would n- normally only see institutions 
at higher price points. Are these buyers um, buying multifamily to convert to single family unit or is it just a multifamily investor, 10 units, nine units, you know, I want to be a landlord, I want to do whatever and collect, you know, my monthly income. How many, how many, what do you know what the percentage is of conversion to single family uh, homes? That's mainly the outlier. I don't know the percentage, but um, it does happen. And uh, there are some well-known uh, conversions that you guys probably know yeah. better than I do. You know, a lot ru- Russian billionaires and yeah. all this sure. type of stuff. Well, they'll buy three buildings and combine them and turn them into a mega mansion. Mega-wise, and yeah. and um, life is good, right? But I have a question for you regarding um, what, we, what you were just talking about in terms of the cycle. And since it's going to be the beginning of 2018 and, and you were saying all these other factors that are going on in the world, are any of your clients or are you seeing in in the multifamily commercial world, people talking about the tax plan because a lot of people are discussing how before it was approved over you know the last few days that this that could have been the cherry on top of everything that was happening right. with regards to factors. So I'd love to get your take on it. Right. The the there are two things that come up in the commercial world relative to the tax plan uh, that people are happy with. One is the preservation of the of the 1031 exchange rule that was that's been tabled often and uh, that's a big part of the commercial industry. So to have that not touched is important for people. The other is um, that uh, uh, opposite of what's happening with residential in terms of the mortgage tax and stuff like that is how the uh, dividend income is treated. And if that tax rate is lowered, that's a boon for commercial By the way, there seems to be some concern or controversy. Is the mortgage tax uh, still in this bill, or did they take it out of the bill? I can't. I can't recall what I read the other day, and somebody was telling me last night that it's in the bill still. Yeah, you know, I haven't. I was. I was going to read it this morning. Uh, yeah, I, I, so, I mean, it's changed a lot. I mean, they were stuffing stuff in there just even as uh, like Sunday night. So correct. Um, it, it's getting a little hairy, but anyway, it'll flush out hopefully at some point. Anyway, moving on. Manhattan retail rents, as I said at the top of the show, have slid to their deepest and longest slump in 17 years. A new report confirms with the Soho rents slashed by more than a third since the 2015 peak. In in what some have dubbed the retail apocalypse, rents have skidded for two years throughout. Most of Manhattan shopping districts along all the boulevards, you know, in, in, in the fancy areas of our uh, of our city, as massive shifts to online shopping has tanked demand for pricey storefronts, and all this according to reports by the Real Estate Board of New York. The high rents of previous years are receding despite owners' efforts to maintain rent levels through shorter-term leases and more generous concessions. Deals are still getting done, but they favor parties willing to be flexible with deal structure, uses, and asking rent adjustments. What's what what's going on, Peter? I mean, you know, this online stuff is 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 a little scary. I mean, we all love it. It's very easy. It's very convenient. You can order, you know, Christmas gifts in your pajamas at home. <laughs> but when you really peel back that onion and you and you think about what is going on with the storefront owners and the people who traditionally have had their incomes derived from these businesses and they're cl- they're closing like right. rapidly, and right. I, I it's really sad. What what's happening? Not from supreme. Your perspective? Not supreme. (laughs) What's happening from your? What do you see on your end? So I think if you uh, wanted to um, have a broad stroke on what's happening with the retail rents, is if you if you look at the numbers, I think there's an adjustment period going on that could be anywhere in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty five percent downward. 
And so the rents, uh, by and large, need to readjust. And the industry, obviously, is going through a re- like recalibration. Uh, the one thing that we see that's sticking out uh, that is uh, that where the stores are doing better is anything that has to do with experiential um, retail. Right. So, um, and I think it's important to distinguish that because those stores are actually doing well. They're looking for locations. And, um, you know, where... The, the, what examples are those? Um, for example, we'll have clients that will look for neighborhood retail that won't have any type of big box or big, um, you, you know, some big multinational name type retail, but something that m- may be more tied into the neighborhood. Are we talking about going back to the mom and pop days? That's what it sounds like to me, right? Uh, yeah, it sounds a little bit like that. But the point is, is that when you go in those sh- stores, you're getting some type of experience that's tied in with with the shopping experience that's going, going to move you to go to that store instead of get it on Amazon. Because of the interaction. Correct. And, you know, maybe because of what you, yeah, what you're getting there, you know. More of like a curated Correct. type of experience. Right. So, um, so we'll, the way that we're seeing that show up from an investor standpoint is where they may be sh- investors may be shying away from or discounting rents uh, from some of the bigger retailers. They're looking at some that have, you know, this more experiential quality that I'm talking about, and. Uh, being a little more bullish on that type of stuff. All right, we have to take a break here. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will be right back with Peter, and we want to talk about Behind the Bricks right after these messages. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We're talking to Peter Vondere, 
who works with New York Multifamily. Peter, I want to talk about Behind the Bricks, a podcast that you um, host. It's about New York City multifamily real estate investing. Specifically, you interview and have discussions with the most active and fascinating New York City apartment building owners in the industry. Tell us a little bit about how you got started doing that. Okay, yeah. The, well, I mean, the, coming from another podcast this, person here. Yeah, this is interesting. And actually, I think part of this story involves how yeah, I first connected with you. But uh, about a year and a half ago, I was listening to some other podcasts and I w- wanted to listen to one on my industry. And I searched it up, figuring this is the biggest city in the country and it's a pretty big real estate market right. here and a lot of people own multifamily. Right. And I searched it up and searched and searched and I couldn't find anything. Right. And so at that moment, I was uh, <laughs> excited and scared because I knew I had stumbled on the fact that I uh, now had to do this and start it. And so the idea was germinating in my head for about a year and then this year it launched and um it's you know, very, I, it, it's I was very really good, by the way, and it's really very informative. Thank you. Um, so, what 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 is the goal? What are your goals when you're interviewing, you know, individuals? I mean, are you looking for something in particular? Do you want them to speak about anything in particular? What are the actual goals when you when you talk to these property owners? Well, I wonder if you guys experience this when you go to conferences or you know whatever uh, public information events may occur with the residential market. And when I go to many of these in the commercial world, and there's one almost every two weeks in the commercial world. I find that the information that's put out, you have people on a panel and the information that's put out is, is it's a little, sometimes it's dull and you've Mm -hmm. heard it before and that's not interesting to me. Um, On the other hand, I'm having private conversations with a lot of these owners and players in the industry and we're having one-on-one conversations where all this knowledge is being exposed and the the, uh, conversations are much more interesting. And so those two ideas and combining those and putting them in the podcast were kind of the basis of this. I'm saying I'm having a lot more interesting conversations one-on-one with these owners than I'm seeing in the versus the public ones where the public is supposed to be or other industries participants are supposed to be educated about what's going on. So you're saying more interesting the biographical, you know, conversations versus the industry talk, the industry speak, and I what are you it's doing? Also the intimate. I well, mean, it's, it's, it is. It's an, a one-on-one experience <clears throat> that mm-hmm. can help curate an opinion. It, yeah, it's intimate, and I think we're all in a world now where we have an abundance, probably too much data. But we don't have enough insight. So you can get data on anything. But um, if you really want some of the wisdom, a lot of that is not – it's not so – um, you know, held, held, held to time, you know, so I want mm-hmm. something that's going to be, I want the, the, to expose these owners and players wisdom that for, so we can find out things that will be applicable in this market and yeah. will still be applicable two years from now. Two of the highest rated shows that we've done here in almost four years is one is with uh, Matt CEO, Sean Osher and Sean CEO, um, Leonard Steinberg. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think of those two pop out or stood out, you know, to the masses out there is because they were more biographical right and and we sean's was absolutely amazing i mean you know you 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 took him from where he started coming from his country to to the u.s and 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 how he grew this business and became successful leonard is always filled with you know remarkable anecdotes and 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 beautiful history as to you know how he got to where he is and so people love that stuff and and biographies even when you're reading a book you know i prefer biographies anytime out of the box so i think people listen Really more closely to that. You say that success is no accident and we all have something to learn from these achievers, these achievers being the people that you've interviewed who are big in your industry. Explain that. 
Well, um, I don't. Uh, people celebrate uh, owners and successful re- uh, real estate owners' success and that type of stuff, but I don't think people realize how much courage is involved mm-hmm. in getting them in the path there. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, uh, if you're operating multifamily in New York City, the regulatory and political environment mm-hmm. is, uh, there are a lot of arrows pointed at you, that. and, and uh, you have to navigate that. So um, that's one thing that I think all of us, uh, if you just think about the subject of courage in our daily lives, we have, you know, uh, uh, courage, opportunities. You say? That, courage, uh, courage. <laughs> yeah, great. Courage. I call I it mean, stress. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Courageous. Exactly. Well, right. That's uh, maybe that's what entrepreneurs call it. They call it courage yeah. or, instead of stress or something like that. But uh, um, yeah, that's been something that I've found interesting too, and it's come out in many stories. I had a, um, a guy by the name of Jordan Vogel on an episode a couple of months ago who runs Benchmark Real Estate with his partner, and uh, he talked about he had had two ses- successful investments, and he was going to make I think it was his third, if I'm remembering this correctly. And there was a final negotiation, and he literally had to empty out his bank account to have this deal go forward. And he was calling his mortgage broker, and he said, if I put this money on the table, I'm putting my chips in, and you need to commit to me that that the loan's going to be there so I can close because this is – I'm emptying my bank, bank account. If this doesn't go forward, I'm out of business, and I'm out looking for a salary job again. So there are moments like that where – um, courage. You, yeah, you really have to, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's great for people. Like you said, when you read biographies, everyone gets in- inspired by those stories. They do. And even if you don't necessarily know very much about that person before you go in, obviously some celebrated people, you, you've you read lots of other stuff about them. Then you sit down with their book and it sort of fills in the gaps maybe. But especially interesting is when you don't really know much of the background of a individual person, celebrated or not, and you and you pick it up and you read it. And I just find biographies and, you know, extremely fascinating. Most of those guys, both commercial and residential developers, you know, come from incredibly humble beginnings mm-hmm. where they have worked for everything that they have. Mm-hmm. If you know Mir Cohen or, you know, Gary Barnett or Mickey Naftali, um, these guys, you know, started from the bottom of the ranks, mm-hmm. working in the mailroom in mm-hmm. some cases. A hundred percent. Yes. Perseverance, you know, focus, yep. strategy, you know, game plan. It's it's just all the same things that we say, you know, as individual real estate agents. You know, you can have a plan or you don't have a plan. And guess what? If you don't have a plan, you ain't going to get there. There right. seem to be a lot of people that kind of toe the line. This is what they want to do. And they get there and they find the property and then they find way too many things wrong with it that are mildly insignificant. And then they kind of take that step back. So there's there's this level of courage that is kind of, you know, all I those guys love a lot. They love a deal with a lot of hair. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the aspects that <laughs> That's I That's what noticed, makes it a deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the aspects that I noticed of that is it's kind of a common trait amongst all of them is that there's critical points in their career or in their decision making when they actually did they choose a path they chose a path that would exactly be the opposite of what experts would advise them to do. And those are those moments yeah. when they do that. And it's pretty common amongst all, it's these, taking a risk, all right? these guys, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas the experts would say, well, do you know there's this risk, there's that risk, and this is why you shouldn't do this. And if it goes wrong, there could be that. And those those are pivotal moments. And each one of them has has that. And that's, 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 that's their job. It's their job to tell them those risks. And it's you have to really know what you want and know how to go after it to ignore that. I think it's interesting, you know, when I teach at Rebney or, or the Art of Negotiations and, and new brokers are, are saying, you know, so what's the secret to your success? And it's like, you know, it's like 
having my, the first time, the first year I was in real estate, I made $8,400. <laughs> and I came here with 800 bucks in my pocket to dance. I might be able to challenge you on that. (laughs) That's like three times the average, right? But the, um, exactly. But the, but the, the, the truth is, is that, you know, if you have a passion for it and you treat people the way you want to be treated Mm -hmm. and you're persistent, there is no limit. It's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. And it's, it's, you you know, all of what you said is very true. And to, to be in a business, you know, in this business, I even say five years or more, you know, that says that you have some kind of a heart and and interest in this. And when you, when you pass the 10 year mark, then it's like, okay, where are you going from there? Talk about (laughs) (laughs) self-motivation. We're also all just a tiny bit crazy too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Peter, tell us, tell us before we move on to other topics, tell us where we can find Behind the Bricks and where we can get uh, information for you. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, well, if you go to Behind the Bricks, all spelled out. Dot com, BehindTheBricks.com, or if you go to iTunes and just search either Behind the Bricks. That's where I got it. Or yeah. my name, uh, the episodes will come up there, and those are the two best places. Okay. Peter, you're going to stick around with us for a little bit. I want to uh, just say hello to Sean McPeak from Compass, Louise Phillips-Forbes from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Anna Shagaloff from Halstead, and Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman is with us today. Listen, along the lines of renting and landlords and all this stuff, we ha- I had a topic here that we've been trying to get to for weeks. A landlord is charging what seems to be a lot for late fee for rent payments. So in other words, you're late on your rent, okay? So the rent is $2,500 a month in a market rate rent situation, and he's charging $650 if you pay after the 10th of the month, which is the cutoff point in the lease, late fee starting day 11. Does that sound kind of crazy? It's not legal. It's the not max legal. is five percent, and he can be fined for every month between five hundred and five thousand dollars. Especially if it's been targeted, and you look at people like uh, Croman, you know, uh, who is uh, I think in jail now. Um, you know, he had millions of of charges um, of dollars charged against him for illegally. Charging late fees. I, Didn't you have I mean, a I, I mean, I've seen situation? A, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen <clears throat> a lot of times I've gotten called into a situation to fix it. Um, you, we have a tenant that's probably signed the something. fixer. Yeah, the doctor. <laughs> uh, the um, you know, Someone or the landlord do does, and you know, you just have to let these people know that a fifteen percent late fee is not enforceable in court. And, you know, you can argue about it and skate around, but you're not going to be able to get that money no matter what. And like Luis said, there are penalties, and this is. A tenant's market. It's a tenant's court. When you get downtown, yeah. you get you know you get to one eleven Center Street. You're gonna be you're gonna be um, you're gonna be hurting if you're the landlord and you're uh, attempting to take advantage of a tenant in New York. Do we hear a lot of this? I mean, out there. I mean, is this just like a one-off situation? When I was researching this, and I thought, well, I don't really hear too much. I don't either of these kinds of situations. But that's not really I didn't crazy. even know that that was the the standard. I'm now going back and thinking of all the late yeah. fees that I've recommended to my landlords, making sure. Yeah, the hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's five percent, wow. and and I also think that um, you know. I always recommend, particularly if I'm, I manage a couple of uh, investors' um, homes, that you know if they are ever late, you know, waive it the first time yeah. because that creates goodwill. Exactly. 
Yeah, because you know, I think that just like you know, you said, Tracy. I mean, when when you when you're working with a condo owner who wants to lease out their apartment, and you kind of you know they're ask they're asking you for guidelines. Right. What should on I charge? I do a higher number versus correct. And, and I sit there sometimes and say, I, I don't even know what the guideline is. So I learned something uh, also. Thank you, Louise. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're on you, for a reason, Louise. Thank yeah, you. I mean, you know, Alexis.com. <laughs> I bet you she would have the answer to that. <laughs> Would she know? We should try that out. <laughs> what is the status, before we have like a minute left to the segment, what is the status of the rental market, the residential rental market right now? We talk so much about sales. Mm. People ask me all the time, where are we with rentals? Where, where, are, are, we? where are we with the renters? Where are they? Soft. Where are they? You know what, guys? Don't be alarmed. This is this way anytime, even in a boom market. Yeah. This, you yeah. know, this December, you can get yeah. the biggest bargains in both rental True. and sale markets. Yeah, if you think about it from until a March. Yeah. I mean, the renter's perspective for, you know, November, and December, they're not going to be in the apartment for you know half the month on average for both months, right? right. With travel, right. Thanksgiving, holidays. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense to have a fee listed or you know, uh, yeah, but, but we're, in a, we're in a different mode. I mean, um, even our July market, we are, right. um, and 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 I find we're it interesting, I find it interesting that. People are not making offers necessarily. No, I mean, I manage no. several buildings for one of my largest clients, and um, you know, in some cases, we're finding ourselves with, you know, ten units vacant, which yeah. is never happening. I have. I'm not getting calls on mine, mine and they're either. properly priced. They're great apartments, light. Yeah. You know, so space. what do we tell our owners? Do we tell them demand. take them off? What what what's we're, the deal? We're going to tell our owners we have to leave it there and come back after the break. <laughs> this is Good Morning New York <laughs> on the Voice America Variety <laughs> Channel. Please don't go away. So interesting. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. 
chat with Sean and Louise and Matthew and Anna and Tracy and Peter Vonderay is going to stick around with us also. So my question is, with thoughts of the holidays and gift giving in your head and all these, you know, uh, upcoming holiday events, showing your apartment may be the last thing on your mind this holiday season. So considering that at the end of December, the beginning of January, traditionally slower weeks for real estate market, should you save yourself the work and take your home off the market altogether until January? And Louise brought up a, a question before the break. What do we tell our owners on the rental side where that's not renting either because it's a slower season and, and as Tracy said, you know, typically this time of the year. So the question is, what do we do with sellers and, and owners of apartments now who are still on the market? I've got several listings on the market and we're sort of just kind of sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. I think it's case by case. Um, I think we're for the first time in a while in a market where everything is very case by case, not only the situation with the seller, but also in terms of price. I mean, if you're priced right, depending on what the market is for that given neighborhood, I actually have been having conversations with my owners to not take it off the market because I find that a lot of the brokers that I'm very friendly with are actually advising their buyers to try and stay in town as much as you can see things. You'll have more you know, power than you normally will because of the market what, what and also the market are you referring to well that's the thing like it, i'm i'm referring to under four yeah. um you know under four million i, I think you're going to see a lot of action actually even under two million through the holidays I, I'm, I'm i'm seeing it under three million actually as we speak very very busy there is still, last two weeks yeah but it was still an efficiency in the market and it, i mean for some sectors Definitely. And I mean, I, I had lunch with one of my closest friends in the industry who's, you know, Eloise style broker, you know, huge broker in the industry. And he even said himself, it's a very interesting time because in a place where we would normally, no matter what the price range is, we'd normally say to people, take your apartment off the market. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, going to be slow for the holidays, put it back on. Everyone's kind of fearing about the inventory of next year. I find a very common topic that a lot of brokers who know what they're talking about are talking about is inventory for next year because you're seeing the past few months we had a lot of price issues a lot of prices are too high you know they're not adjusted to where they should be and then some of them are going to get to the point where they are adjusted to where they should be they're taken off the market put back on january and then you're going to have a whole new unloading of inventory so it's we actually find that there's going to be just like too much inventory in that January, February, and it scares me, at least. And I know it scares a lot of other well, agents. Well, I, I think that the niche of the market from two million, two and a half down is still very efficient because I think they're sensitive to the interest rates and the millennial generation is very focused on securing what they can secure based on my own experience. And those are some of the deals that I've done. You know, I did... 16 transactions in 32 days when there was a whole blow around interest rates, and that was between uh, July and August, which is 16 transactions is a lot. Remarkable that time of the year. Secondly, I think that something to observe on the high ultra Uber luxury market, you know, deals are not even on the market at, you know, 834 uh, Fifth Avenue for 26 million and it went above the asking price. You have uh, 430, 432 Park had last week four contracts go out. And they, but they the are 20. Been a little jump just this And then 11 weeks. East 82nd Street, a townhouse that came on the market's 12,000 square feet for 44 million. They have a contract out in less than 15 days. 
Seriously? Yes. Wow. So there is something burger. going on. <laughs> I agree. And, and I think yeah. it's interesting that these iconic properties are listing today when they do not need to. So what is that? What's that telling us? I agree that the luxury market has definitely taken a, a bump, has taken a huge bonus mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. Um, but the one thing that you're missing is that millennials aren't thinking that way anymore. I, I can give you first-hand experience because I am a millennial and I a lot of my clients are very Show successful off. millennials. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and take advantage. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage when I can. With that um, mustache of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started with millennials. And by the way, the stash doesn't make them look like a millennial. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Freddie Mercury a millennial. Um, millennials are also incredibly intelligent and they're very sensitive. Two-thirds of that population work for themselves. So right, also exactly. So the issue is that they're very sensitive and any little piece of news affects their decisions. I mean, most of my clients are millennials these days until the the tax bill was actually approved. Um, That's all they would ask me about. It's all they would ask me about. That's also where the data and the insight and wisdom is the magic, the juice. 100%, but I'm just saying they're very sensitive and it it adjusts their decision very quickly and, and things like moving, you know, a point Oh, three interest rate for them is a big deal. It is. It is. That's so why like, it's buy more today than less tomorrow. But your examples, we're talking about marquee locations and marquee prices, kind of a different type of client. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I was specifically mm-hmm. talking about those iconic locations. Yeah. That, and we, and we, we noticed that this year too. We sold seven buildings in the West Village at basically one to one and a half percent returns. All throughout this year, and it's because it's a buy and hold. It's because and it's because they were in the West Village in certain locations. Right. So, Absolutely, um, you wouldn't be you know, talking about Midtown. Were those all right. investors? Those were all investors or yeah. users. Who, who all investors, no users. Now, yeah. for one other note of hope, we haven't talked about Wall Street bonuses, which are predicted to be record high this year, thanks mm-hmm. to the high performance of the stock market. So there's that. And to get back to what your last question was, Vince, as far as renters um, and the rentals and what to tell our landlords, I say keep it on the market. We all know that this is the slower time. Just be more open to offering concessions, taking a lesser rent. Uh, just you have to manage your clients' expectations. So but we're, we're is there the perception of, of, of having the conversations of lowering, of not lowering the price, but letting people know there's movement or do you track the reductions i, I mean well i definitely I think of reduction well i definitely think about landlords not doing no fee <sighs> i think it's a really hard, well, hard no market. fees in several months free exactly right. Hello, yeah right. i mean, I, mean I, I whenever i see rentals out there that are not no fee uh, i mean i worry for them and then i worry then about what the brokers saying. i have one more question about improving your property you know they're concerned about all the backlog of having property under construction in improving them when they've gotten away with not improving them for years. And my instinct is roll up your sleeves mm. and create better product. And take right. advantage of the slower time. Right. It doesn't matter right. if you're but doing then, construction But then now. you have to worry about getting people in the door. I and know. that's the concessions and that's the no fee. So it doesn't matter how beautiful something is. I mean, like I said earlier, I've got great listings. They're beautiful. Nobody's calling because they're fee and that my landlord will I'll pay. call you, Annie. Will you? I'd be so happy. <laughs> Me too. All right, moving on. On the heels of all that, there were three drivers uh, in New York City real estate, and uh, Tracy just mentioned the Wall Street bonuses. Okay, that's driver number one, always, especially mm-hmm. into this new year. Second is supply and demand, which Matt says, you know, we're going to have an overabundance of, of apartments coming up. Third is how do people, particularly foreigners, feel about New York as a safe place for their financial assets? In New York, if New York, rather, is uh, seen as safe financially, 
then we're in good shape. We all deal with the luxury market in addition to everything else we do. How are you seeing this going into ending of 17 going into 18. I don't find it to be the question of safety. Um, I find it to be a, a level of confidence in, in our economy in general. And, you know, history has shown us that this is a buy and hold. You know, we have now truly, they've talked about being on the international platform. Um, we've been there for, you know, we're really there today in a way that we had never been before. So, I mean, I I have a very interesting experience with my international clients that I, it might be different from other people, but um, they see the market doing extremely, extremely well. I mean, we hit record highs last week, um, and they constantly say to me, scares me. It honestly scares me. I find New York to be an incredibly safe investment, but these days it worries me. I feel like there's a pop. Now, it's hard because a, a year ago when the Dow was so high, um, you know, obviously not as high as it is now, but that's what everyone was saying as well. So so it's like, how many times can you say that to someone that, you know, this is what we said a year ago. This is what we said two years ago. I, I think on the U.S. side to what Tracy said, um, I think with bonuses in terms of finance and also so many people who have a lot of money invested in the stock market, I think they are going to start saying to themselves the same thing. I think they're going to say, how many times can we say the market's so high, let's keep running with it? Or, you know, there has to be a point where they liquidate. There has I, to be a point. I think there are a lot of people who have already liquidated, oh, yeah. waiting on the sidelines. Those are the deals yeah. that I'm doing. I, I think right. we're bucking the trends here. I think we're yeah. breaking all all norms, all cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> especially when you hear a real estate agent say, oh, this will never happen. I mean, we're seeing it happen always. So I, I really think that we're moving away away from um, historical cycles and really breaking new ground. And it looks and they're like shortening. They used to be 15 years, <clears throat> then 10 years. Now there's seven years. Yeah. And no, I think I th- we have I to think, pay attention to that. Uh, yeah. I think people should look at the economy as uh, as an expansion mode. Um, you know, whether you agree well, that's with the tax reforms counting our on politicians that. or not, and but they're they're going to be flipping all the switches and levers that are going to cause people to invest in the United States. Right and now. and then let's bring up another factor that's actually that's being sp- talked about in my age range, I guess, but I think in all age ranges is Bitcoin. I mean, it's a huge topic that um, I actually have two clients every right day, now who are looking. Day we talk about. Yeah, it. I have two clients looking to buy, and they got their down payment from. Their Bitcoin. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Two days ago, so, there was a closing in Miami. Um, Shaq Cohen was on the show. Mm. He sold a sixteen and a half million dollar spec house, and oh, the Shaq. guy, millennial, made his money in Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, that's a big factor. I'm up talking 11, outside the stock market. There you go. On my Bitcoin. Yeah. Hey, that's something. <laughs> I don't have yeah. nothing, so you're doing better than me. Coinbase <laughs> app. They're yeah. based up. You can buy it yourself. But when when we see the foreign investors coming, their their drivers are so different. And one of them is just a cash alternative. And they like the perception mm-hmm. of the New York market. Not it's not a perception. It's more liquid. Mm-hmm. And this is reminding me of the story of you know two guys are running from a bear in the woods, and one of them steps down. And he starts putting on his tennis shoes, and <laughs> his friend said, "Why are you?" You know, with this bear chasing us, why are you putting your tennis shoes on? He said, I don't have to beat the bear. I just have to beat you. And when you think about foreigners with their yeah. investment capital, a lot of this is, Thanks for you know, sharing. How, does, how does the New York market compare to what their home market might be? Mm. And 
Yeah. And one never knows. And, 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 you know, going into 18, you know, with all of this uh, on the table, let's just see. I have a, a strong feeling that we're going to be in much better shape next year than we are this year. With that said, we have to take a break. We're live mm-hmm. from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Back to segment four, and I wanted to ask everybody, because we all live in New York City, we all live in buildings, and the question I, uh, I ask every year is, how much should I tip my building staff, right? Clients ask me this all the time, especially when they're brand new in a building and um, and or, or they're brand new in the city and they don't have a clue about what they should be tipping. What is the precise amount? And that depends on the size of your building, the larger the staff, the smaller the individual tips. Quality of service, staff seniority, length of time you've been there, whether you own or rent, more on that below, whatever. Personal chemistry, Personal chemistry, really? Yes. Your financial circumstances and whether you're frugal, generous, or somewhere in between. Now, one of the things that I always say, I'm in, I'm living in my building going on 14 years, so my ha- my household staff, I call them, 
is like my family. I mean, they've seen me and we've had maybe well, one or two changes. That's the personal chemistry. Yeah. That's the personal chemistry, but that propels me to want to give them more and more every year, which I do because right. they've been there with me all of this time and I really appreciate having them there and I feel comfortable, I feel secure, they look after me and it's a wonderful thing. But people... Sometimes when they're brand new in a building or even that they're living for a while, just don't feel that way. And they don't really think that it's necessary to be generous around or during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. What some, do you all hear people, about? Some people are not, to be fair, financially. I mean, look, when I first got in the business, I used That's to bake true. homemade banana bread from for all the dormants that I right. worked in where my business was. Um, I just didn't. Now have you're the buying money. them all the factories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I. Yeah, now she <laughs> hides the money in the banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> but I I believe that that generosity comes back ten times. Mm. Um, Agreed. A hundred percent. But whether there, it's to your teammates, whether it's to your your clients or people that yeah. you refer business to. I I absolutely I agree. But but there are guidelines. Okay, and it says. For example, the super or the resident manager, anywhere from 75 to 175 on average, broad range 50 to 500. And okay. I do 6 to 800. To the resident manager. Okay. Doorman and or uh, concierge. Your is very well taken care of. <laughs> you know what? Well, it's she lives like, in a very fancy building this morning. No, I don't. But, no, I don't. But, but, but I also think that, you know, I don't tip them through the year. No. That's not my right. MO. Right. And, um, and I feel that yeah. it is... I, it's my responsibility to be impactful because I can. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that for because sure. Because Lord knows sure. there might Very be a day true. I can. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, there's probably your happiest day. And there's always yeah. a way to give back. I don't like when people say that you know I, I don't have the money or I can't do this and that. I mean, not to be hard, not to be unharsh. Yeah, no, like banana exactly bread. banana bread. Like I last last um, the last two weeks in a row, I I went to a soup kitchen I normally help out at in Harlem, and I went with actually three of the doormen at one of the buildings I do a lot of business with. Mm. Like it's so kind of there's always something you can do. I mean, I don't live in the building, but it was great to feel like you're together with other people during this time of year. Doorman or concierge, they say 25 to 150 on average. Broad range, I don't get this one, $10 to $1,000. Okay, so that's the broad range of you really love your doorman. Now, I, I work in a building as a specialist. I live in one building and I sell and rent in another building almost exclusively. So when the holiday comes around, I tip my other building almost as much as I tip my the building that I live in sure. because... I work there. They see me almost every day, if not five times a week instead of seven, but I'm there constantly. I have listings throughout the year. Mm-hmm. The, the resident manager, the three out of the four doorstep, I don't see the midnight guy ever, but I give him a little something. But I treat that building like I live in it because I get a lot of business out of that building, and they're always there to help me when I need them for something. And I mean beyond, uh, above and beyond. Well, the real question is, do you have personal chemistry with those people? Because <laughs> I love that I quote. It's my favorite thing well, in that, that quote. That's with the favorite. whole like wine scene thing, I don't know if I'd mention that again. <laughs> I know that mustache. You wine scene. Right. I might have to shave it after this. I do have personal chemistry with those, those folks over there because I've been there. I've been in that building for seven years, working yeah. in that building for seven years. So it, it worked. Well, you I have to have so. personal chemistry with those people in order to get the business. I think it also exactly. depends on a number. I mean, I had 22 guys in my building. You know, well, that well, you that's can't the other. Give them all dollars. Listen, I once lived at the Century for a few years, and they had yes. sixty-five. The Christmas card came, oh, the holiday yeah. card came, and there was sixty-five people. Are you kidding? And the first year I moved in there, I wasn't even in real estate. I thought, what do I do with this? 
If you oh, don't know them by name, when you live in such a large oh, building, if you well, don't know you them know by what, name, I don't think you have. You know yeah, what you they use? The ones you well, they with. were no, 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 no. But they were very smart in that building. They, they probably pulled. still do the same thing. No, oh. they move people around weekly. So if you're used to going out oh. one door versus the other door ah. versus the front door, there were three different entrances. So wow. And they did that on purpose. So you, That's so you actually no. totally. So you knew everyone. Missing my calling. <laughs> you know what? I mean, so that I is an get extreme a fever in December. Dormen relocation consulting. It's my new. It's my new That's business. an extreme example, but but in general, I don't think there's any reason not to give something. And maybe um, we always do at definitely different levels um, to the different dormen that we know better, or su- certainly to our super. We always do like a very thoughtful handwritten card too and I think even if you're putting a little bit of money in mm. that you can explain I would yeah. love to give more this is a small token of my large appreciation but something like that Absolutely. I think that graciousness goes a Quote long way that. too let's get back to our selling efforts and some of the things that <laughs> stress me out when we're taking new listings and we want to put stuff on the market you're ready to put your apartment on the market now I always say take a long and hard look we've talked about this before in the program is it ready to meet the public does it even know what to say to the public? Meaning, what are some of the first things that sellers need to think about and then do before we take their listing and put it out to the market? Everybody just says, oh, I'm going to sell my apartment. I'm going to hire Matt. I'm going to hire Louise, whomever. And it goes out on the market. And that's oh, that. Oh, no, 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 so no, no. what it's do the, we it, need? It, no. it is, a lot of I refer to it as the three P's, pricing, <laughs> preparation, and presentation. And we've heard that before. And that is... Key, and that's why it's a partnership. And um, and fourth sometimes P. those are fourth. That's the fourth P. P. Oh, yeah. thank oh. you. Oh. And, 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 and people. Sometimes <laughs> I don't thank even you, price what apartments until <laughs> I have completed that process, because I'm I give them a very detailed analysis, and I'm like, look, but we're going to revisit this to look at what's in contract in the preparation. Sometimes it takes months when I'm dealing with the states. Months. But but but, oh, but that's states, a good point. Forget it. But the yeah. time value of money and that upfront investment is priceless. It's so worth it. And I mean, I just got a new listing in Harlem that I'm putting on in January, and I had a really fun moment with the seller because she was interviewing a bunch of top brokers up in Harlem, and and she was like, "You're definitely the youngest I've interviewed." And then at the end of it, you she asked me, <laughs> "I was like, well, you should see the mustache I'm growing out." I was just going to um, say, "Did you the, have the mustache when you?" No, I did not her? actually. Okay. But but what I'll say is, she asked this exact question because the apartment needs a little fixing up some painting yeah a a little I like that for for, a little um, fluff yeah a little fluff and so she asked me what you know my plan would be and I said to her have you ever seen the movie Miss Congeniality (laughs) and I said that's exactly what we're going to do here we're going to make Sandra Bullock look great at the end of this and she hired me I mean I just like I guess and and the apartment looks great I was there yesterday it looks great you're welcome so do you do you get involved and you coach them and and lead them and project manage that just I, out of curiosity I do um, I give them a painter that I know I give them window mm-hmm. cleaners I give them anyone who can help but of course insured like I, I, always, yeah, I always have agents that get into issues who suggest someone that's not do you get not, involved in personal organizer because that do. has become like my yes. new business yeah, I, do well. I do like yeah. honestly uh, that is a big I business I want a, to a, I want to do that like I'm a skinny mini and like I think I've gotten some muscle from moving furniture around I'm shocked <laughs> by my abilities lately that's but I think I think like you these days, especially there's so many agents in the business and not, I'm not saying this is the reason I do it, but if you really care about what you're selling, you will get involved. Exactly. Correct. Well, you added. 
Yeah, no, correct. But, but I always, I always sorry if that was really aggressively said. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm just so bad. I, I, I find that, I find that especially with smaller, uh, with smaller no units, people are afraid of uh, of the word staging, and they think that staging means well, renting it's furniture. It's intimidating. Dude, and, I, and I try to use, uh, I try to explain to them it's styling, not staging necessarily. Oh, that's smaller, yeah. smaller yeah. units. Ooh, I'm stealing that. And Sean, and Sean is a little smizing when he does it. He's like, he's like style. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean, do you agree? I don't think people think of staging and they think down to the monogram towels mm. and the hand soaps and things like that. That's unnecessary. For me, with most of my clients, unless you are trying to achieve a certain price in a very marquee property, just show it that a couch and a dining room table fit, that a king bed can fit. It's the basic stuff, I think. Or take out things that don't fit. That's right. On that note, I need to buy soap on the way home. We are out of time. <laughs> that is our show for today. Thanks to Peter Vondere for coming and, and joining this wonderful, gifted panel of mine. Thank you Until so next time, be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 